And it's a very specialized skill. You have to know what you're doing, but it's very rewarding because again, there's that situation where I have the difference. I have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. And what I do directly impacts a patient's ability to live or not live. So that's very fulfilling for me. Today, I'm here with my friend, Susanna, who is an ICU nurse. I'm really excited. She was one of the first people that I thought of when I made a big, long list of all the people that I could interview potentially, and she so graciously said yes. So Susanna, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited to talk. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be considered, and I'm excited to share my perspective on nursing. I'm really excited. I know we texted a little bit back and forth about stuff. So one of the things I think that we'll get into a little bit is just the good and the bad of the profession. And that's one of the things that I really am trying to cultivate with this podcast is not just do corporate propaganda, like telling all the good stuff or even all the bad stuff, but just giving an honest look at what the career entails. And so I think that you're going to be perfect for that. So without further ado, let's just jump right into it. You are an ICU nurse. Did you start in ICU? Kind of walk us through that progression a little bit. So I did my, I got my associate's degree in nursing from TCC, Tarrant County College, and which is a two-year program. You do have to have your basics done before you go into the program. But once you get in, it's a two-year program. So I did that and became a nurse and started working bedside while I continued on and got my undergrad. I started on a neurotelemetry unit, which is kind of a med surge unit, but you do cardiac monitoring as well. And I did that for the first two years of nursing. And then the last two years, I've been a neuro ICU nurse. So I've got some experience in the ICU as well. So when did you graduate? Did you start right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic? Were you there before? We're going to talk a little bit about that, but tell me the timeline. So I graduated in May of 2018. So I had a couple of years of nursing under my belt before COVID hit. I became an ICU nurse in August of 2020. And so that was a very interesting time to become an ICU nurse because I, I kind of had to learn fast, not only how to do ICU nursing, but how to do COVID ICU nursing, which is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I wanted to kind of get a little bit of that background knowledge. Now we can dive a little bit more into the specifics. So you, you talked a little bit about the education piece. You said you needed, you got a two-year nursing degree, but you had already had your basics done. Let's just talk about the education piece. I know that there are different degrees that you can get to get into nursing. What do you recommend? What if somebody's looking to get started? So there are a couple of different tracks that people take. And honestly, it kind of depends on how much time you want to devote to it, what your personal life looks like. A lot of young 18-year-olds will just go straight into a four-year degree and they'll go somewhere like TCU um, or UTA. It doesn't matter what school. They'll go to a four-year school. They'll do all their basics while they're doing their nursing classes. And then they'll graduate with a BSN, Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, and they can start um, as a nurse. For me, I didn't want to pay four-year college fees for the same history class that my community college was teaching. Yeah. And so... I worked for two years, um, getting all my basics done while living at home with my parents and paid a much lesser 
fee (laughs) to get all my basics done. And then I started at Tarrant County College that has an accredited nursing program. I would definitely recommend if people are looking to do the county college nursing school route to make sure that it's accredited. Not all nursing programs are. And so what that allowed me to do, while it took a little bit longer, I think I took five years, maybe even up almost almost to six years to get my undergrad, I was able to start bedside nursing and get more experience faster. So I started as a bedside nurse when I was 20, yeah, 21, as opposed to most people that would have to wait till they were 22, 23, finishing their undergrad to start. So it gave me more experience at the bedside, which is what I wanted. And I did it for cheaper. Um, doesn't work for everybody, but it was a good fit for me. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's kind of, we got those trade-offs going where you've got, yeah, you can rush through all the education and end up with maybe a little bit more debt at the end and then not as much experience, or we can kind of go the route that you went, which is like, Hey, take advantage of community college classes, make sure that you've got an accredited program and everything will transfer in. But then from there you can get in a lot cheaper and maybe get some experience uh, beforehand. So that's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So Susanna, we talked a little bit about COVID already. You started in May of 2018. How did COVID change the game? Do you think that a lot of the changes have that have come through are like long-term? Are they here to stay? Is it just kind of a blip in the radar? What's your, what's your feeling on how COVID is going to change the nursing profession? So I think in some ways it changed us for the better. I think In some ways, it just kind of made us more aware of problems that already existed. So I think I meant to look up this statistic before I hopped on here. So I apologize. I'm not going to give you any numbers because I don't know the actual numbers, but I think the number of nurses on antidepressants in 2016, for example, as opposed to 2020, 2021, Um, I want to say the numbers like almost doubled or more than doubled. Wow. So it kind of made us aware of the need to take care of our mental health in a, in a bigger way. We've always known that we needed to take care of our mental health. Um, and the nursing profession didn't change too much through COVID. We're still taking care of really sick people. We still watch people die. That's not going to change. It's always been that way, but COVID was such a focused, we saw so many people pass away in such a short period of time that it really made us more aware of the need to take care of our mental health and check on the people around you. And so that I think was something good that came from COVID that we check on the people around us, make sure that they're doing okay mentally and to raise social awareness that, Hey, mental health is a problem. Um, in our society, not just in nursing. And it's something to pay attention to and not something to shame people for or um, make it difficult for them to get help for. I know we saw a lot of turnover, you know, people leaving the profession or just going into a different environment because they couldn't handle all of the new responsibilities that COVID added to their plate. Do you think that that might stabilize or has it already stabilized a little bit? Or is this kind of now just a little bit more of a exposed, a bit of a more fragile system. I think I'm leaning more towards the the idea that it kind of exposed a fragile system. I definitely entered the profession thinking that nurses were a lot more respected than they are. Hmm. I think in the general community, nurses are a respected profession inside the hospital. We are very disposable. I 
enjoy the company or work for, I think that they have a lot of really good things going for them. However, I am disposable. And when I leave or if I need to leave or I call in too much for my mental health or my family is sick or what have you, I will be replaced very quickly. And they'll probably pay the person that follows me much more than what they were paying me. I've seen a large increase of people, the company paying more to hire on a new person rather than increasing the pay of the people that are already there. And that seems to be a trend that doesn't make sense to me because it's cheaper to keep on the people that you already have. So we've seen a large influx of traveling, travel nursing is kind of been a hot topic over the past several months. And I will tell you that my person, my unit right now is probably staffed 40 to 50% with travel nurses, as opposed to home neuro ICU nurses. And they get paid more. They are contracted. So they are not held to some of the same standards that we are. They, um, they don't work for the company that I work for. They work for a travel agency. So they're paid differently. They're treated differently. Some of them are really good. Some of them are clinically speaking, they're really good nurses. And some of them, you can tell they haven't been bedside for a while. So I think the overall quality of nursing care has decreased because you have less and less nurses, fewer and fewer nurses that are trained specifically for the job that they're working. Yeah. It does on the flip side, open up an opportunity for those able to become travel nurses to obviously make more money. How on Mm -hmm. average, do you have an idea of how much more a travel nurse makes than the typical resident nurse? So that's a number that's changing a lot, especially within the last couple of months, because the cost of living here in the DFW area has increased exponentially. Yes. And so we recently, within the last couple of months, got a cost of living pay increase. Um, But generally speaking, you can expect a bedside nurse with experience to make anywhere between 30, 40, 45, $50 an hour. It's a wide range, but that's typically what the pay rate that you're looking at. A travel nurse, typically from what I've heard, and again, this is just an isolated person giving you my own opinion. Yes, but um, they can make anywhere from 80 to $100 an hour. Um, So in some cases, double what our bedside nurses are making in their own home unit. Do travel nurses, at least in your, in your team, are they working more hours? Are they, is, is there any downside besides the fact that they're not, you know, they're having to travel and they're contracted. Are there other downsides to being a travel nurse that you've seen? So a lot of them are having to travel long distances. They've actually, the big five hospitals in the city that I work for recently got together and decided that travel nurses had to have a home address that was more than a hundred miles away from the hospital in which they were working. Wow. So it used to be that people would live in one city and then they would quote unquote travel be a travel nurse. Yeah. But they could drive a travel nurse to a hospital 30 miles away from where they live. And so um, hospitals realized that and kind of clamped down on the travel nurses that they would actually hire. So that is a a downside. Um, It depends on the travel contract that you sign up for. Some travel nurses work three 12 hour shifts a week, like every other nurse, or some of them will work, they're they're contracted to work extra. So four or five 12 hour shifts a week just depends on what contract you sign up for. Gotcha. 
All right, Susanna. So we've talked a little bit about COVID and we talked about the fact that you're an ICU nurse. Was that a choice that did you purposefully go into the ICU? Was it just the natural progression of what was needed? Why did you choose to go there? So from when I started in nursing school, I knew that I was passionate about critical care. Not everyone is. And there's a lot of different aspects of nursing, different fields that you can go into. It's become a very specialized field. So that's something that I love about nursing is that if you're not passionate about critical care, you want to take care of mothers and babies um, and help in labor and delivery, you can go do that. I have always been passionate about critical care. So I was very excited to join into the ICU and, um, it gives me the opportunity to take care of people on their worst day and really make a difference in someone's life. What kind of person who's thinking about going into nursing should not go into ICU or critical care? Like, is there, is there a personality type that is like, they, they need to have these traits in order to manage? Would you, who would you steer into that career and who would you steer away from it? So someone who does not do well in a fast paced environment needs to stay away from ICU nursing. If so, I'm a very empathetic person. I have an ability to put myself in someone else's shoes and really feel, try to my best to feel what they're feeling, but I have a, a switch. There's a switch on your mind, your mind that you make because you can't put yourself in everyone's shoes. You'll be too sad. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I can't take every patient home with me, but I don't know. I was describing it to my dad a few months ago. I call him on my way home from work on really with really hard shifts. Mm. And the way that I described it was, you know, there's a line that you cross in your mind of, am I going to let myself feel what this patient is feeling or feel what their family member is feeling? And you have to let yourself feel that every once in a while to remind yourself that you're human and that you feel things because sometimes you see so much sadness, you see so many debilitating injuries that you can become very calloused and you can turn off the part of your brain that cares because that's the only way you're going to emotionally make it. Yeah. And so if you, and that's a learned skill, right? So if there's somebody out there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really empathetic and I really care about helping people on their darkest day, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to turn off that part of my brain. That's okay. It is a learned skill. You know, it just takes time and it takes a good support system. Someone, if you can find someone that gets it, feels the way you do. And that's where some of your coworkers come into play, right? They get it. They know how you feel and they can support you in figuring out how to find that balance. But if that's something that someone out there is listening and they they think, oh my gosh, there's no way, there's no way that I could ever watch someone pass away or ever see someone with a debilitating injury. I need to be surrounded by life and happiness the majority of the time. Um, then stay away from critical care nursing. It's <laughs> <Yeah. That's laughs> good. <laughs> the perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to I want to shift into what I feel like is the main section of the show, which is talk to me about a day in your life. I want to know what it feels like to be a nurse day in day out. What what is that actually like? You walk in and what kind of administrative work are you doing? Do you just you don't just jump right in and start talking to patients? So like walk me through a day, and I know it's probably always different, but talk to me about that. 
is. Every day is a little bit different. Um, so I get up, I work like 30, 45 minutes away from my job. I try to be there by 6am. So it is an early start to my day. I am at work around six shift changes, typically around 630. And that's universal anywhere from 630 to seven in the morning. That is a universal shift change. Yes. The only exception is in an ER, uh, an emergency department. They have different shifts. They could work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., 11 to 11. The ER is really the only place I know of that has different shifts. Most unit or ICU-based nurses are 7 to 7. So we get our patient assignments. Usually there's some sort of a huddle where you talk about, you know, okay, everybody needs to be charting this aspect a little bit differently or make sure you do this educational requirement. We have like a five-minute huddle with everybody. Um, And then you get report on your patients that takes anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes in the ICU. It's very, very detailed. If I am your nurse and you are my ICU patient, I know most everything there is to know about you medically speaking. So I know when you last pooped, I know how you use the bathroom. I know if you can get up or not. I know how you're breathing on your own, what your heartbeat is doing. I know how your pupils respond to light. I know how awake you are, what medications you're on, what your medical history is. I know everything there is to know about you, medically speaking. And so I get report on each of my patients in the ICU. We typically take care of two ICU patients at a time. Sometimes there are special factors that would make a patient a one-to-one. So one nurse for one ICU patient, but typically we're looking at two patients to one RN. And then um, I get started with my day. So I typically go in, introduce myself. I do an assessment on my patients. I'm putting my stethoscope on them. Um, I do a head to toe assessment. Then I look at, I usually spend anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour looking through my charts. So I trust the nurse that gave me a report, but I'm responsible for the information that I carry with me and spread. And so I look through my charts. I look at their medical history, the notes that people put in people's charts. Why are you in the hospital? What went wrong? What is our plan for your care? Are you going to make it? Are you not going to make it? Things like that. I give my medications. That really changes a lot. Some people have medications twice a day. Some people have medications every hour. Some people are on up to 12 different continuous drips that I have to titrate according to your vital signs. And then as a day shift nurse, I am communicating with the doctors pretty consistently about how you're doing. Where are we? How are we progressing towards our goals? There's a lot of emergency situations that come up. I would say almost once a shift or at least once a week, there's an emergency situation that comes up where a patient tries to die on me, or they have a a big change medically that I'm having to take care of or treat in a very urgent way. Yes. And so you, I feel like I'm kind of rambling. No, this is is exactly, you're actually going in a chronological order. So this is great. Okay. Perfect. Well, feel free to stop me if you're like, and you're rambling too much. That's enough. (laughs) It's good so Um, far. So in an ICU day, you kind of, you know, you're doing a lot of patient care. There's the critical things that come up where someone's heart will go into an irregular rhythm. Someone's brain starts to swell. We do in the neuro ICU, we do a lot of emergent bedside procedures. Mm -hmm. So for example, someone listening to this, who's interested in being a nurse, um, this is kind of a bad a thing that we do at the bedside, we do what's called an EVD. So it's, it's an extra ventricular device. 
And basically a surgeon comes up to your ICU room, drills a hole into your skull and puts a catheter all the way deep inside your brain into your ventricles to drain cerebral spinal fluid. And that is to keep your brain from swelling and to keep your brain from herniating, which is another way of saying you, you did. <laughs> um, so we do that at the bedside. We don't go down to the OR for that. That's something the surgeon does in your ICU room. I, I think it's super cool <laughs> that we get to do that because then yeah. the ICU nurse controls that drain and it's a very specialized skill. You have to know what you're doing, but it's very rewarding because again, there's that situation where I have the difference. I have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life and what I do directly impacts a patient's ability to live or not live. So that's very fulfilling for me. And then you have the aspect of most of the time, those types of patients are not with it. They're not awake. And so there's a lot of education that happens both with the patient, but also with the family members. So as I'm doing, even in a normal day where nothing emergent happens, I'm doing a head to toe assessment. I'm giving medications. I'm turning my patients so they don't get bed sores. I'm cleaning them up when they go to the bathroom. I'm doing a lot of education, primarily with family members. This is what's going on. This is what we're doing to treat it. This is what I'm doing. Here's how I help a non-medical person understand the medical things that I'm doing. So I have a passion for helping people and teaching people. And I really get to utilize those skills in the ICU because we do a lot of education. Gotcha. You've given me so much good information. I want to pull on one or two threads here. Sure. You said seven to seven. You said typical shifts would, you know, you've got the night shift, you got day shift, you're 12 hour shifts, most likely. Yeah. And you're getting there around six. So are you there like before contracted hours, just because you want to be, is that part of how it's normally done? So I like to give myself a cushion for traffic. Yeah. That's, that's really all that is. I don't have to clock in until I have to clock in before six 30, but I typically, I have up until six 30 to clock in. So it's a 12 hour shift with a 30 minute lunch break added on. So it's technically a 12 and a half hour shift. Yeah. And they're giving you a 30 minute lunch break. Yeah. I was going to ask about breaks next. Do you get any other breaks throughout the day? Is it just as you have time, you go to the bathroom, depending on what's going on with the day or 30 minute lunch break. It's a 30 minute lunch break. And then of course, you know, everybody has to go to the bathroom. So you just have someone else watch your patients while you're, while you're running to the bathroom, you technically, so there's a difference in working for Texas versus working in California or New York. California or New York, and there may be other states, I just can't name them, are unionized states. And so you're part of a nursing union. And Mm -hmm. that means that you get a 30 minute lunch break into 15 minute breaks. And you have to take them as part of being a union. I've talked with nurses that have worked in California. So you, you have to take those breaks, which can be a good or a bad thing. In Texas, we are not unionized. So we get a 30 minute lunch break. And then like, for example, I am a new mom. I have a six month old and I am nursing her. And so I have to take pump breaks throughout my day. Mm -hmm. And I am by law required to get those pump breaks. I have to have a space in which to pump. And I am allowed to take as many pump breaks as I need to give my child what she needs. And so there are allowances for things like that, right? Um, obviously, there are a lot of working moms in the field of nursing. So, mm-hmm. um, but yes, typically it's one 30 minute lunch break. 
Gotcha. That really paints the picture of a day in the life. I feel like that's really good. I just have kind of one more follow-up question to that. What other duties or things can you think of that maybe people wouldn't realize a nurse does in their day-to-day life? Is there anything else that you haven't mentioned? Or do you feel like, you know, there's administrative stuff, there's obviously a lot of patient care, anything else? I think that charting is a big factor of nursing that everybody hears about, but nobody really puts a time on like how much time do we spend charting? I would, I would go so far as to say that charting takes up about 40% of what we do. So if we, if we do anything, anything, I turned my patient, I brushed their teeth, I gave them a bath, I cleaned up poop, whatever it may be, I have to chart it. I just walked in the room to say, hello, I have to chart it. So there's a lot of charting that goes on and you get fast, you get really fast at charting. So if I had an uninterrupted hour and a half, I could finish my charting. Yeah. Um, but it's not uninterrupted. So, uh, <laughs> but about once you get fast, I have a couple years of experience. I can get on my charting done in an hour and a half, two hours, you know, maybe less depending on the patient day, but I think a lot of people don't understand how much charting goes into it. And so they think it's all about patient care and it's not, there's a lot of charting that has to go into it. Yeah. That's really good. You don't ever deal with insurance stuff on your end, right? That's all handled by a different department. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I don't know what things cost. I don't know if insurance is going to cover it or not. No clue. (laughs) Gotcha. That's good to know. Yeah. So Susanna, let's take a step back. Let's say you're just starting out your nursing career. You've got your degree, probably your bachelor's. How do you land that first job? Does the school place you? Is that a big part of it? Or is it up to you to find that first job? And how do you, how do you do that? So it is up to you to find your first job. I would highly, that's a really good question. I would highly recommend a company or a hospital that is going to give you a residency And it's similar to a physician residency where you are practicing, but you're practicing under the supervision of someone who has experience. So my residency program was a really good one. And I would recommend that new nurses look for at least this much of a residency. So I got four months of on-the-job training. Two weeks of it was an orientation to the hospital and the company itself. So we were sitting in a classroom. We weren't Mm -hmm. doing any actual nursing care. And then the next um, 10 weeks or so was us being paired with a preceptor. So an experienced nurse who would train us on what to do, how to do it. Here's what your day is going to look like. And um, sometimes you might have a couple of different preceptors that are training you, but it's like a three and a half, four months practice where they slowly introduce you to what you're doing because nursing school, they have to teach you a little bit about so much nursing is such a specialized uh, field that you really need a lot of on the job training. You're going to learn everything you need to know from your, for your job on the job. Yeah, that makes sense. What other environments can you start in? Do you pretty much always start in a hospital? Is, Is there a path to go somewhere else? Or is that usually after you've had hospital experience? It's usually after you've had hospital experience. Sometimes you can go work in a clinic somewhere. The pay is not going to be as good. The pay for a bedside nurse is probably going to be higher than most of your other nursing jobs. 
most of them, there are exceptions, but like a clinic job isn't going to pay as well as a in-hospital job. So you can go work for a dialysis clinic or a doctor's office, you know, where you're, where you're a nurse, but your skill set is going to be less. And honestly, a lot of the times they prefer for their nurses to have some in-hospital clinical experience because they're just more experienced. They know what, what's going on and what to look for if things go wrong. Yeah. So very likely for, in most cases, you're probably starting at least starting your career in a hospital before you can branch out and go somewhere else, or at least that's typical. Yes. That's the typical, that's the typical track. When people leave to go to a clinic or some other type of environment, is it typically because they're just burnt out on the hospital? When, when people leave the hospital environment, why do they leave? A lot of it is burnout. There seems to be a trend of doing more with less, adding on to the nurse's charting requirements, or, you know, for example, we have a governing national governing board that comes in once or twice a year to make sure that the hospital is meeting nationally set standards. One of those standards is that we're not allowed to have water bottles at our desk. I'm working a 13 hour (laughs) shift and I can't have water at my desk. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So there are things like that that are just very irksome. Um, You can, you can step back and look at the bigger picture and enjoy parts of the things that you do. Any, the enjoyment of any job is set by your attitude, right? So you, you just choose to look at the things that you enjoy and forget the things you don't. But so things like that, that are, it seems like we're trying to do more and more with less. We're adding on to the nurse's responsibilities without giving us more staffing or paying us more or um, anything like that. So a lot of people leave because of burnout. Some people leave for the schedule difference and not everybody can work three 12 hour shifts a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part-time. So I work two 12 hour shifts a week. That's a lot more flexible, but some people, you know, have kids that have to be picked up from school at 3 PM every day. And so the clinic or the surgical environment is better They'll they can work a six to two sort of shift. So some people just do it for family reasons. Some people really don't like being a bedside nurse is backbreaking work. Yes. You know, you're doing a lot. I'm lifting 300, 400 pound patients, you know, in my back, it just it hurts your back. It's a physical job as well as a mental one. It's a very physical job. So some people just don't want to do that. They don't want a physically demanding job for 30 years. So they do it for a few years and then they, and then they stop. Yeah. I know that in hospitals, we're understaffed right now, probably have been for a while. And it's, again, just exposed kind of the fragility of the system, how you're doing more with less. What does that mean? Are you working more hours? You're having to take care of more patients within the hospital setting. I'm kind of trying to get a sense of work-life balance for nurses in today's environment in nursing. I think with more with less, I'm not necessarily staying longer, getting there earlier, or I don't have to pick up shifts that I'm not able to. Okay. So um, some in- environments have a mandatory overtime where if you get called up to do overtime, that's it. You have to show up. Nursing, at least in the state of Texas, has not uh, switched over into that kind of a in that kind of a job environment. So I don't have to work more than I want to. And the pro is that I get to go home and I leave my work at my at the hospital. So I don't have a work phone that I take home with me where they can call me and ask me questions. I'm allowed to turn off my phone when I leave the hospital and I'll see you when I work next. <laughs> so that that is an advantage for nursing as opposed to some other jobs where you kind of have to be available for phone calls. That is not the case. When I leave, when I'm at the hospital, I'm there, but when I leave, I leave. 
but the work-life balance, it's, I would say they're just asking us to do more within the same time frame. I'm, I'm working a 12 hour shift, more tasks, more requirements. Most nurses get into the field because they have a genuine desire to help people. And it seems to be that we're adding on to the tasks that are not really patient oriented. It's more of meeting those national standards uh, for accreditations at the hospital that don't necessarily always matter to the bedside nurse, if that makes sense. That's perfect. So we've kind of talked a little bit around it, but Susanna, a big part of what this podcast is for is to steer people who should be into the field into it and steer people who shouldn't to get out. So kind of what's the most challenging part of the job and, and what would you say to like, Hey, I'm, I am an empathetic person. I do want to help people. And I'm, I've thought about nursing, give me your biggest reason to steer somebody away. I mean, if that doesn't scare you away, okay, maybe, maybe this is for you. That's, that's a hard question. And I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it because I do a lot of training of nursing Mm -hmm. students. If you are in any way, someone that hates body fluids and don't see yourself getting over that, nursing is not for you. Um, It's just so much a part of my job that I don't even think about it anymore. Um, The other part is being on your feet for a long amount of time. You are going to be working long hours on your feet. That's your job. Yep. Um, That's a big part of it. What other negatives? There are a lot of positives, honestly, but- Yeah, and we'll uh, get to those. Yeah. um, If you don't like talking to people, you have to talk to people when you're a nurse, you just have to night shift. You don't do as much talking, but, um, you, you have to talk to people as a nurse. So if you're not someone that is fueled or gets energy from communication with other people, this job is not for you. Um, yeah. Um, I would say any, any field of nursing, no matter how specialized you get, you have to be able to think critically about what you're doing. And so if you're looking for a job that, okay, a set list of responsibilities, you're going to do A, and then you're going to do B, and then you're going to do C. If you're looking for a set routine where someone tells you what to do, that's, this is not for you. Um, You have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. You have to move with the changes that are happening. You have to be able to critically think about your, the situations that you find yourself in. Um, I think that's good. Honestly, you've, that, that really helps because you mentioned a couple of things that I wouldn't think about. And that's, that's what's helpful. Cause obviously everybody knows, yeah, nursing is probably stressful in, in certain ways, but things like being on your feet all day, you have to talk every day. You have to be fine yeah. with body fluids, like really actually fine with it. Cause it's all the time. So right. that's good. So yeah. flip side of that question, what's the best part of your job? What, how would you encourage somebody into the nursing profession? I, like I said, I, I think a lot of nurses get into the job because they genuinely have a desire to help people. And that is a big part of nursing. No matter what field you go into, you are there to help people in the ICU. I'm there to help people on the worst day of their life. And sometimes, sometimes that means helping somebody be okay with death and, and helping their family be okay with yes, you're losing your family member and that's a life altering event. And I'm going to help you through it. And I'm going to not make it okay, but I'm going to help you learn how to process this in a healthy way. And being able to talk to people through that is very, very fulfilling for me. It's very rewarding. I, um, I'll give you a specific example. I, it was a patient that I took home with me 
and that I had to work through. It was very, very emotionally difficult, but it was also very rewarding and fulfilling. And it reminded me why I do what I do. I had a very young patient, less than 35 years old. Um, she had a devastating brain injury Mm. and was a organ an organ donor. And so while we couldn't save her life, her life went on to save multiple other people's lives. Wow. And so taking care of that patient and her children and her husband and her mom was a very emotionally difficult and in some ways traumatic thing for me to walk through because I am an empathetic person yeah. and I have a daughter and I can't imagine walking through that. Um, and so that I, I called my dad on my way home sobbing because of how emotionally traumatic that was. And a lot of the nurses on our unit really struggled with that particular patient. Hmm. Um, But because I'm not a callous person, because I have the clinical skills necessary to keep that patient alive long enough for her organs to go to people that needed them. Yeah. I have the clinical skill necessary to do that. That's very rewarding. I also have the ability to help her kids and her husband process what was happening. Yeah. Um, and so you, you just, you have an, an ability and it, you're in a position that not very many people get to be in. Yeah. When they say the front lines, it's really, it really is the front lines. And if that right. is attractive to you as a person, like, Hey, this, you actually do make a difference. A lot of jobs say yeah. that they make a difference. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't nursing there's no doubt. Of course they make a difference. And so everything you're saying sounds like a reason if that, if that pulls at you, then that might be a reason to overcome some of the hard, hard things about nursing, because yeah, you are making a difference every single day. Absolutely. And it's the, it's the moments where I get to, okay, forget, forget all the medical things. I'm sitting down in my patient's room with a family member that's losing it. And I'm the strong shoulder to, for them to cry on. That's good. So if like, I don't know for, and this might be just particularly for ICU nursing, but like everybody's passed a wreck on the side of the road when they're driving home. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, do you want to be involved in that? Do you want to go and help somebody and help save a life and help calm down the people, the family members that are in the car that, you know, are traumatized by what just happened do you want to, do you want to go be a part of that? Or is your gut reaction to, oh my gosh, I can't even look at that. There's probably blood ew, and, and just drive away or, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to them. I'm going to go ahead and go home and forget. I saw that. Yeah. Um, that's something to ask yourself. And it, again, that's kind of more particularly for ICU nursing. There are a lot happier, um, more of, course. of nursing that you can go into, but I'm, you know, ICU is what I know. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, Susanna. So again, go back in your mind, you're first starting out nursing. What do you wish that you knew about the job or about the industry in general when you were first starting out? I kind of touched on this briefly earlier, but I feel like in the community, it's generally regarded that nursing is a respected profession and that everyone appreciates nurses. Everyone likes nurses, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that is not the case when you get to the bedside. Um, you have a lot of patients that generally are just not happy with life Hmm. and they take it out on you. So honestly, uh, violence is an unfortunate part of nursing that was not touched on when I was in nursing school. Um, I have been hit, kicked, spit on, 
punched. People have tried to punch me, even though I was obviously pregnant. It's just, (laughs) that is an unfortunate part of it. Wow. I think we're working on it. Uh, it's now a criminal offense to punch an ER nurse or to physically assault an ER nurse. Uh, like it is a cop. I don't know why that's just specifically for ER nurses and not all nurses, yeah. <laughs> but we're working on it. <laughs> it doesn't seem like we need to have that little asterisk. I think we can just include all nurses. All nurses. Yeah. Just generally speaking, it's not okay to hit anyone, right? Yeah. Like that's assault. You're not supposed to go around assaulting people, but that, that is a, an, an unfortunate thing of nurse. I don't, I don't even think I get hit once a week, but has it happened multiple times in my four years as a nurse? Absolutely. Yes. And it's not like there's not support for it. Like there are security officers at our hospital that come and help. Anyway, it, yeah. you have support, but it is a part of nursing. You know, you, you do have patients that are unhappy with you, family members that are unhappy with you, no matter what you do, it's not good enough. And then there's also kind of the aspect of a lot of people, especially in this generation, in this time, expect it's a, it's the entitlement and gener- entitlement yeah. perspective. So I'm entitled to having things how I want them, when I want them. And so sometimes you have fairly healthy patients that are not demanding a lot of medical care that are demanding a lot of your time because they want to be catered to. Hmm. That's not every patient. It's not even half the patients, but it is a prevalent issue that burns out a lot of nurses. Yeah. And you probably have, you have to walk that fine line of managing, you know, boundaries and professional, like, uh, here's what I'm here to do. And here's what I'm not here to do, but at the same time, provide good care. Exactly. Yeah. That's gotta be difficult. Is that something that you learned quickly or did it take time? I learned quickly, but that's also part of my personality. I very quickly learned how to not be a people pleaser Yeah, and I'm a very direct communicator. And so my communication style is very down to earth and very direct. And I don't fluff things that helps. And so that helps me be like, Hey, you know what? I understand that you wanted a glass of water. I was taking care of something else. That's a bigger priority than your cup of water. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to bring it to you or that you're not important as a person, but you're going to have to wait your turn. Yeah. I've said that verbatim to multiple patients. (laughs) That's good. Hey, steal that. If you're an aspiring nurse or you're brand new, <laughs> go go back 15 seconds and re-listen to that and just steal it. That's right. You're not as important as the person next to you. You're important, <laughs> but you're not a priority. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, let's talk about compensation. We talked a little bit with like travel nurses, but entry level, what's typical? What are you seeing? What's middle career look like? And then what's late career look like? So as a new nurse four years ago, so 2018, I started out making $25 an hour. Um, That was pretty decent pay compared to some other hospitals in my area. I work for a large company, so I get a little bit of a pay increase once a year. Mm -hmm. I have gotten a couple of raises within the last year. Some of it was part of my yearly raise and some of it was cost of living increase but you can get anywhere up to 40 to $50 an hour um, as an experienced nurse. You do not get paid more, generally speaking, you do not get paid more for having your undergrad as opposed to just your associate's degree in nursing. That is really good to know because I did not think that that was the case. Yeah, so although a lot of hospitals will require your bachelor's, uh, I had to have mine within the first two years of nursing. It's not like you automatically get a pay bump just because you have your bachelor's degree. It's just a requirement. Hmm. 
Um, and it's about the hospital meeting national standards. They get more grant money. They get more reimbursement if a certain percentage of their nurses have their undergrad as opposed to just an associate's degree. So um, you, you can make, as a bedside nurse, you can make up to 60 something dollars an hour. You're looking at a yearly income of around 90,000, 100,000 maybe. And again, that depends on the state that you're living in. It depends on what insurance you you know, benefits you need or want. It varies. Does it kind of cap out at a certain point where it's like, Hey, is there really a difference between a nurse with five years of experience or 15 years of experience? Or it does, do you kind of reach that ceiling at a certain point? And then it's just cost of living increase. I would say you, you do cap out a little bit. I would think that as a 15 year nurse, you could go to a manager and say, Hey, listen, I've stuck around for 15 years. I deserve a higher pay increase. And you could probably work something out. It might not be a huge bump. The other, the other thing is that if you go back and get more education, you can hit a much larger income per year. Yeah. That was going to be my next question. What, what would you do? How could you increase your income after you've kind of mastered being an RN? So bedside nursing, I would say caps out anywhere from hundred to hundred K a year, depending on what state you live in. It varies. If you wanted to go on and become a nurse practitioner, uh, you could make much more than that, maybe 40, 50, 60 grand more a year. Um, if you wanted to go and be a CRNA, so that is a certified registered nurse anesthesiologist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you're an anesthesiologist. You just became a nurse first. You can do a 200, 300,000 a year. Now you have to pay for expensive insurance because you could very easily kill someone in that job, but gotcha. Yeah. Nurse practitioner, do they require a master's degree? What's the additional education needed? So you have to have a master's degree, depending on what kind of nurse practitioner you want to be. You could be a family nurse practitioner or an acute care nurse practitioner where you're working in an acute hospital setting. Depends on what you want to do. You require, you go through clinicals, so clinical experience um, as a part of any nurse practitioner program. But yeah, you're looking at a master's degree. Yeah. What about other certifications? Because we talked about the college piece, but do you have to take a test in order to get certified? Is it different in different states or is it a national standard? So are you talking about just to become a nurse? Yeah, just to become like a licensed nurse, like are uh, allowed to work in nursing. Do you need a license or is it enough that you have the education? So when, no, you do need a license. You finish your education and your school says, okay, they are a graduate nurse. So you're a GN. You have to take, it's called an NCLEX, N-C-L-E-X. And it is a nationally scored exam that you have to take. And if you pass it, then you are a registered nurse. Um, And so depending on what state you work for, so uh, then it kind of lets you work in other states. I could get into more detail, but that's yeah, that, that answers my question. That's good. So you said you work part-time, which is two 12 hour shifts in a week. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty typical? Is it, you're a new mother. Is it possible to be a mom and a nurse? Is it really better to, you know, have this be your full-time thing and be a career woman or man, or is it possible to do this as your part-time thing? It is very possible to do it. It depends on how much you want to pay in childcare or what your spouse or family situation looks like. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, there are a lot of young moms that work three 12 hour shifts 
and they either put their kid in daycare, they have after school programs, excuse me, or they have family members that will come and pick up their kid from school and watch them for a few hours or, oh, I'm at, I'm at work. I have a seven month old at home. My mom takes care of the baby while I'm at work. So yeah. it just depends on what kind of family support you have. And if you're willing to pay large fees and daycares. Yeah. You may not have a perfect answer to this, or maybe you do. What's the biggest misconception about what you do as a nurse? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it's kind of hard, honestly, having done this for so many years to kind of pull myself back yes. to my young, uh, school days about, I would just say it's, it's, it's just not all fun and games. And there are a lot of really rewarding parts about nursing, but there are a lot of really hard parts as well. Yeah. And not just the physical, you know, backbreaking <laughs> exposure to body fluids. That's, I feel like most people who want to go into nursing can kind of get over that it's an emotionally difficult job. And I don't think a lot of people are prepared for that when they go into nursing. Is there a way to prepare for that? Or is that something you just have to learn on the job? And how do you deal with that? I think you have to be very in touch with your feelings and okay with not being okay. And know that if you have to reach out and get help, it's okay. And that's something that I'm very passionate about because I've seen a lot of healthcare workers have to go into, especially since COVID, I've seen a lot of healthcare workers either struggle with suicidal ideation or have to go on a lot of medications or have to have a psychiatrist to help them manage what they see in their work environment. And I would just say that it is okay to need help and it's okay to need help processing the things that you see as part of your job. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be an excellent nurse. I, when I first started nursing, I struggled because I knew that I needed to get on an antidepressant Mm -hmm. for a lot of family reasons, not necessarily just nursing, but I knew that I needed to be on an antidepressant and I had a misconception that meant that I couldn't be a nurse anymore. Yeah. Or that you were weak or like less than because like, oh, I can't hack it. Right. Exactly. When nothing could be further from the truth. It's like, it's because you're a human that has emotions and you're being exposed to really, really difficult stuff every hour of your day. Right. Absolutely. And I would say that the majority of nurses are on antidepressants Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that until I was in the field. And that's not to say that, oh, if I become a nurse, that means that I'm going to struggle with my mental health. Not at all. It just means that if you happen to, it's okay. And you're not alone. A lot of people struggle with mental health without being nurses, you know? And so um, there's just, there's a lot of support and help out there. And it doesn't make you any less of a nurse or less able to help people or less able to be great at what you do just because you need a little bit of help processing the emotions that you feel. That's good. Is there a way that friends of nurses can better support them? I think just by checking on them, you know, asking them, not being afraid to ask, Hey, how's your mental health? And that's something that is kind of, I think we're doing better, but it's still, there's still a social stigma around mental health. And so not being afraid to ask somebody, Hey, I know you're a nurse. You probably see some really tough things. How's your mental health? How are you doing? How can I support you? And sometimes just being a listening ear is all we need or, you know, having somebody come and take my kid for a few hours so that I can meet with a therapist or even just have some alone time in a coffee shop is very helpful. That's very supportive. 
So just reaching out and realizing that nursing is a hard gig and asking how you can help best support someone, that's really helpful. That's good. So we've talked a lot about some of the difficult things in the job. Do you have any funny stories? I'm sure you have funny stories. It's like talking to to a cop or something else. Maybe dark humor stories. I don't know if you want to go there or not, but like any funny on the job stories you would want to share? Um, or just interesting stories. Some of my, some of the stories, uh, a lot of nurses have a really like dirty, twisted sense of humor. Um, okay. So there's a funny, there's a funny story that I had while I was working on med surge, we had an inpatient, like an ICU psych patient who is so violent and is so mentally unstable that he doesn't just stay at a psych hospital. He stays in a psych ICU. Oh, wow. And he was admitted to our floor and this was years ago. I'm going to not give away too much patient information, but of course he, um, he had a lot of hallucinations. So he saw, heard things that were not there. And so it was my turn to take care of him. I worked night shift. It was around Christmas time and he liked to spit at people was just consistently hallucinating. And it was a very difficult to get him to take his medications. Yeah. And so I suited up, I was mentally prepared. I'm going to get this guy to take his psych medications and maybe he'll start, he'll stop hallucinating. So I walk into the room. It's just him and me in the room. I walk into the room. Hey, Mr. Smith, I'm Susie. I'm your nurse. How are you doing? And he turns and looks at me and he goes, oh boys, there she is. Get her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and him in the room. And you're like, all right. Get her boys. <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. Me and my, I was a brand new nurse. I'm like a 20 year old and yep. I just have a few pills that I want this grown man to take. <laughs> and I'm, I walked in and I'm like, oh, who's in here with you, Mr. Smith? And he goes, the cops the cops are in here. And I'm like, Oh no, there's, there's no one in the room. It's like two in the morning. <laughs> anyway, so I, I asked him, I'm like, well, are there good cops or they're bad cops? Oh, they're bad cops. They're bad cops. Here they are. Okay. Do you want me to get him to leave? Yeah. Yeah. Get him to leave. All right. Get out of here. Cops. Are they gone? And he goes, yeah, they're gone. They're gone now. They're yeah. gone now. Like, oh, that's good. Hey, do you do drugs? I'm asking him, Hey, do you yeah. do drugs? Yeah. Yeah. I do drugs. I got some, you want them? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah. I want, I'll, I'll take them. All right. Here you go. Don't tell anybody. And they, they were just his pills. Like they were just, his yeah, pills. they were his, they were his approved medication that he should yes. be taking. Yes. But I made him think that they were, you know, yeah, good he was stuff. getting something else. They were getting, he was getting some good stuff from me. <laughs> All right, here you go. Don't tell nobody. And he was like, okay. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> and that's oh how I gosh. got him to take his meds. <laughs> the nuances, the skill level of, of just a 20 year old nurse who were born to play that role. Try to get some, all right, I'll be your friend. I'll make the cops leave. I don't know. That's awesome. So Susanna, before I ask my final question, did we miss anything? Is there any other thing that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think you did a really good job. You had really good questions and really kind of helped me dive into the good and the bad. And I, <laughs> I hope I, I hope I convey that I really do enjoy what I do. There are mm-hmm. bad parts of it, but I, there are multiple times, I would say at least once a week, I come home and I'm reminded of why I do what I do. And so I, I really do enjoy it. 
Um, so I hope I've conveyed that, but no, you did a really good job asking good questions. Well, thank you. That's I'm only as good as the guest. So you did an equally good job. So <laughs> well, that's <not> true. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So final question, here it is. What's the best practical advice you would give to someone who wants to do what you do? Resources, next steps, lay it on us. So I would say, keep your mind open. You may have set expectations for what you think the job looks like. It's okay for those expectations to change as you get into it. It's okay to get into the field and decide you don't like it. You want to do something else. Or maybe there's a different specialized form of nursing that you want to do that's completely different than what you thought you wanted. That's okay. It's okay to change careers. It's okay to change the field that you're specializing in. It's okay for it to be harder than you expected. It's okay to love it. I would say keep an open mind and don't be afraid. Have a good support system in place, whether that be your coworkers, your family, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it looks like. Have a good support system and don't be afraid to reach out for help because nursing is different um, than what a lot of people expect it to be, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so yeah, just keep an open mind and don't be afraid to change it up if you don't like what you're doing. I like that. Susanna, thank you so much. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will too. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the What's That Job Like podcast. Two quick things. One, please subscribe and review the show. It takes less than a minute and it does a ton to help. Two, I would love your feedback. Is there a certain career you want to hear from, a question you'd like me to ask my guests, or anything else? Let me know. My email is jameson at whatsthatjoblike.com. Again, that's J-A-M-E-S-O-N at whatsthatjoblike.com. That is also where you can email me if you are interested in being a guest on my show. I am rapidly trying to get hundreds of interviews because I think that's how this whole project will come together and help as many people as possible. So again, please subscribe and I'll catch you next time. 